welcome back to Ads for Success podcast number 15. Hello and welcome to Ads for Success podcast with me, Amanda Perry, agency owner, e-com coach, small business cheerleader and Facebook ads super geek. This podcast is full of real-life advice from pulling back the curtains on my agency, seeing firsthand what's working right now in the world of ads. I'll be bringing you interviews from e-com brands that are smashing it right now and hearing from the brains behind them how you can too. Full of practical advice, actionable tips and straight-talking, no-nonsense help to improve your e-com store, your bottom line and just maybe your life. Stick around and let me show you how. Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher or wherever you find your podcasts. And if you enjoy the episode, please do leave a review as it helps others find us. Thanks for listening. And now on with the show. Hello and welcome back to Ads for Success podcast with me, Amanda Perry. I'm absolutely delighted this week to be joined by my friend and master marketer, Dave Rotherow. Dave, how are you? I'm very good. Thanks for having me. No, not at all. Thank you for joining us. Do you want to give a quick intro? I'm sure you'll be able to explain who you are better than I will. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Um, So... This is difficult. Um, how do I summarize um, what I do in, in such a short space of time? So, so, so right now I do I do um, viral advertising. So, my, um, creating magnetic ads for businesses. So, um, essentially, my history. I started. I cut my teeth in e-commerce and back in 2015, and kind of accidentally on purpose stumbled upon um, like a, a kind of formula or recipe for for uh, creating virality. So, getting attention online uh, by kind of hijacking people's attention. Um, so I did this with a couple of subscription boxes, one of which we managed to get like global press attention. It was pretty insane. Um, and then, uh, from then I've kind of moved, shifted more into kind of actually running Facebook ads, uh, YouTube ads for people and creating ads that really get attention rather than just, uh, uh, any old kind of video, uh, that you could throw up there. Mm. I think you, uh, skipped over that really nicely, but the fact is that for everyone listening, Dave managed to create a subscription box that was sending people the, the ingredients for a cheese toasty, <laughs> didn't you? Yeah, right. So that's the, uh, <laughs> I'm increasingly skipping over that bit because it takes over the conversation for that point. It's like, it's the part where everybody stops and says, hang on, what? <laughs> Yeah, exactly. I think the point is that you can make like that was a lot of people's reaction, wasn't it? And I remember when you got, um, you know, when your your the box went viral because I was starting my subscription box at the time, and this is that's how we first started talking. And I think the fact that you can get viral marketing for something so like seemingly basic, but the way that you dressed it up made it so interesting to people. Well, that, so that whole project was like a, a petri dish for me um, of like figuring out how to A, make a business and B, get attention with it. So I kind of started a, just to kind of dig down, I suppose, a little bit more into it. So I just started a hot sauce subscription box um, just because I wanted to do something different. I come out of my corporate job, had no business ideas or experience. Well, apart from this one idea, which was to send people a different bottle of hot sauce every month in the post. And I found, as most people do, that it was really, really difficult, like a lot more difficult than you'd anticipate to actually get people to come yeah. to the site and get people to check out. So with a completely blue sky approach, like I hadn't been 
um, exposed at any of the, the gazillions of personalities and sort of thoughts, thought leaders on marketing on the internet. I just kind of took a completely blue sky approach and thought, right, okay, so where, how, how do we get people's attention? Well, the best way to do that is to hijack uh, their attention from what they're already looking at. So we, we knew mm. at that point that we wanted to, um, we wanted to create a product for an audience of Buzzfeed readers because they were around about the age um, that they had disposable cash. They wanted to buy experiences and, and it would potentially be quite a lucrative and enjoyable thing to, to, or demographic to create product for. So mm. we started looking at Buzzfeed specifically what on Buzzfeed was getting shared most on social media. Cause I kind of figured out by this point that what got shared and talked about got a lot more exposure and just with generally the way, um, media is made up now, it's, it's much more as opposed to broadcast media where a few select people in a corporate office somewhere decided what got shown. Uh, the way things were shifting was more towards um, what people liked and what people shared and spoke about with their friends. That was what got shared. That's what got yeah. attention. And therefore, we'd probably be able to get a much more qualified audience to to our product. So started looking at what was getting shared on BuzzFeed. And this, to be fair, this entire story forms the basis of everything that I do today. So started looking at what was getting shared on BuzzFeed. And the things that were getting shared were melted cheese, unusual combinations, specifically because they drove conversation. Like people, some people loved them, some yeah. people hated them. Um, and therefore people spoke about them and subscription boxes because dollar shave club had just i think or just about to sell for a billion dollars after literally just just um yeah i launched a few years before so combined all three made a grilled cheese sandwich subscription box seemed completely crazy at the time it was (laughs) and um yeah like the next day we were in we were in national national tabloid newspaper the following week we were on in global press um i was interviewed about three or four times a day um, every day on uh, the different BBC regional radio stations uh, for like weeks. So yeah, it was pretty crazy. Yeah. And it, yeah, it worked pretty well. So. You ended up on, um, was it was it QI? You, no, not QI. What programme was it on? Taskmaster, yeah. So, you with, know, Noel, Noel Fielding it? and Greg Davies. Noel Fielding, that's it. Yeah, 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 yeah. I was trying to think who it was. Yeah, it was incredible. It was such a viral sensation, wasn't it? And and as you say, I think oh, this ties into so many things where people, I speak to people a lot who are concerned about running ads because of the comments. They don't want those negative comments. But, I mean, you had so many negative comments, didn't you? Like, who's going to pay this for a bit of bread and a bit of cheese? Yeah, right. And it was those comments that drove the growth. So this, the the whole thing about negative comments is interesting, actually. I'm I'm reading a book at the moment, which has reminded me about all this stuff as well, is um, by a guy called Roy Williams, who's an absolute genius, actually. I just spent like a Mm. week up in the hills of Texas in um uh in this place that he built like a business retreat that he built this guy's the highest paid marketer on the planet um really interesting guy but so i'm reading a book called the wizard of ads highly recommended Mm. um and and he's talking about how you know if you're not getting negative comments if you're not creating negative emotions in people then you're not creating positive enough emotions in the other people that are going to buy so if you're driving you know a, a powerful enough message that it's that it's creating negative emotion then it means you're doing something right. And it's difficult, you know, it is. Like, I mean, I, to be completely honest and kind of vulnerable with you, like the, the like re- receiving a flurry of pure negativity and spite and like even from yeah. press as well, you know, from newspapers as well, yeah. is, it can be pretty, pretty difficult as, you know, <laughs> as difficult as it is setting up a business as anyone listens to this podcast right now. And obviously you and I both know as difficult as that is um, yeah. setting up a business with that as well. It's, it's tough, you know? But I mean, I mean, if you hold that in your mind, if you hold that in your head that, you know, if you're getting that kind of attention, if you're pissing people off, some people are really going to love you. And that's when you, you're really onto something. 
Definitely. And I think that's the difference, isn't it, between what you're talking about, which is reverse engineering a product. So looking at, right, how am I going to get people to the site? It's by getting people to talk about it. What are people talking about? Where? What's this demographic that, that are, you know, sending stuff viral, this buzz, BuzzFeed kind of demographic? There's a difference between that and having that reverse engineer approach to, oh, I want to make this product because I love it. And now I need to find an audience that are going to buy it. So you're almost like leading with emotion, whereas you're leading with, okay, I know I'm going to get some bad comments. I know not everyone's going to love this, but of these people that I'm targeting, I know there's enough of them in there to buy it. Definitely, yeah. I mean, I think the real danger point here is actually remaining neutral. The real danger point is is remaining so middle ground and so unremarkable that you just essentially get ignored. Yeah. And if you if you run an yeah. ad spend behind that as well, that is the last thing you want to do. You know, it's like if, if you think purely monetarily, which you should be as a startup business or, or any business really, um, mm. you should be thinking primarily about how you get sales and how you make the most out of your ad spend. And if you're creating neutral ads, which nobody gets excited enough about to be to create a negative comment, then you're essentially wasting your ad spend. Yeah. How's that for a brutal approach? <laughs> Yeah, and I mean, it is brutal, but it, it's, I'm thinking of, you know, there's a few people that I work with where you think, is is the product different enough? Or is there, is there something, are you causing some sort of emotion in people? Because as we know with ads, if you're not, as you just said, if you're not creating any emotion, it's like, I was thinking this with pricing and in the agency, if everyone's was saying yes and jumping on board, you're too cheap, aren't you? You know, there yeah. has to be, you have to create that level of like, oh, you know, we'll come back to you when things are better or yeah, that's fine because because we're at that point where that investment makes sense. And it's the same with any product. If you're selling too many, then, you know, depend obviously depending on your model. So yeah, I think it's it's really interesting. I think the the thing that holds people back about the negative comments is maybe the thing that we need to almost um test ourselves to kind of be okay with yeah i mean i think it's worth bearing in mind as well negative comments is not what you're aiming for right <laughs> it's just it's kind of a, a no. natural byproduct of, of creating a compelling enough message that people actually take notice and give it that right but yeah i mean mm. I, th- I think the like to, to maybe look at it it's like from a slightly different angle um if, if you were to if, if you were to think about like how um how you could frame your business more powerfully how how you could create um, how, how you could agitate the pain points of the problem that you solve more powerfully um, in a way which really, really speaks and resonates with the people who are going to become your buyers and then understand that the people mm. who make those negative comments are never going to become your buyers anyway. And maybe even have some fun with it as well, you know, because the majority of the time, the people who actually comment, make negative comments are goddamn idiots <laughs> and the comments they make are stupid and yeah dumb. and yeah. so long as you kind of, so long as you find that right yeah. balance, obviously it's not a good idea to engage with people who are just being purely purely uh, vitriolic but at the same time if you kind of yeah. find that balance of being quite playful with it and kind of almost treating them like childish idiots you know and just saying you know sort of semi-patronizedly mm. thanks for your comment it's very uh, wonderful feedback <laughs> that you've given us there etc you know <laughs> it's uh, it could be quite fun you know, i always think it. gifts are really good for those people i always think yeah. gifts are good for those people you just just kind of leave them like a, a bizarre gift to to leave them confused but yeah, you're yeah. right I mean and I always say this like comments comments are the perfect place for you to show that it's a human being behind the business and show that you are a genuine business I think so many people think with ads now that they're 
you know, there's a bit of cynicism about them, isn't it? Or sceptical, you know, approach. So I think to show that you are a real business, that you do have customer service, that you care what people think, I think, you know, it's a a great opportunity to turn things around in the comments. Absolutely, yeah. And and obviously not to dwell on negative comments, but just to kind of round off with one more final positive point. any, any comments on your post are essentially fueling yeah. your ad spend. So, you know, if you, if you run an ad and yeah. somebody writes a negative comment and you respond, then it's great. It's it's engagement, it's conversation. People actually love scrolling that stuff. So other people will come and scroll the negative comments yeah. and engage more, form their own opinion. If they're, you know, a good buy for you, um, then they'll, they'll probably read that and think, well, this person's an idiot. Um, and it'll, it'll only, as you say, like build your relationship more. But the fact of the matter is, um, yeah. The more engagement you get on your post, the more reach you're going to get and the less it's going to cost. So essentially, every time somebody leaves a negative exactly. comment, if you, if you put it in your mind, it's like, okay, they've just added 50 pence or like a, a dollar or whatever else to, to, to my ad spend. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks for yeah. your comment. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, it's so true. Yeah, yeah, so true. I read a report the other day that said that the... I mean, I'm always a bit skeptical of these reports, but the the, the most trustworthy rating, like out of a five rating is a 4.4 because as business owners, although we hate like getting negative comments, as a consumer reading that or, you know, whether it's a restaurant or a product or anything, if it's a five, we're even more skeptical because you, because everyone you knows you can buy fake comments, you know, yeah. fake reviews. Yeah. Yeah. So I think, I think you do have to be balanced about this stuff. So, okay. So viral marketing, I think we all know, we've all heard like this has gone viral. That's cheese posties went viral. This has gone viral. And I think we assume, or a lot of people assume that that's always like a fluke or by accident, something that just happens. But this is a strategic thing. Like I know the guys that sent the dress viral, like all of that is, is a strategic thing, isn't it? Yeah, for sure. Like, I mean, there's, I, I think, um, in terms of like, uh, so I think virality is, is a sliding scale. And in terms of using it for a mm. business purpose, then it needs to be strategic. There's kind of, there's no point in sending something viral for no reason whatsoever, you know, and just getting lots of eyes and visibility. So certainly the way, I mean, lots of different people would describe virality and viral marketing in different ways um, because they've all got different objectives, right? But in terms of how I focus yeah. on it, then it's it's utilizing the, the, the elements of virality, which we're uh, gonna discuss, you know, in, in, in a couple of minutes, utilizing those elements of virality mm towards a goal of actually making a purchase or generating the lead so um so yeah in terms of in, in terms of like actually making something go viral then absolutely i think most people who actually achieve it to to a really decent degree have really thought about it and considered it um i'd say there probably are the odd cases um of of um uh you know just kind of weird odd things and crazy videos and funny videos um but the the, the majority of the case or the majority of the useful virality is, is as you say very well executed the blue and black dress is, is one thing which obviously you know there's no kind of sales process tied to it for example and then an, another kind of interesting thing of like pure organic virality would be the the kardashian cracking egg you know that egg that went viral on instagram for like a few days yeah every, yeah so yeah that as well so i think that guy sells sells merch i just managed to connect with that guy on linkedin the other day actually so i think he sells like merch off the back of it but that was again like a very strategically designed um uh viral campaign um but with no real sales process to it yeah but in terms of like from a business perspective um my whole thing about viral marketing and the most useful way that i've seen across my kind of um, experience and career so far is taking the principles that they use to make that happen organically and applying them, sprinkling them into your campaigns to 
generally give them a lot more reach because you know mm. as much as you you wouldn't potentially go uh, globally viral because virality is a relatively complex thing in terms of like why people share and like what people are more likely to share and why they would share them to specific people etc just because of all those dynamics it's uh, it's extremely unlikely that you would be able to send something viral which is tied directly to a sales process um uh, organically yeah whereas if you take those same principles and apply them to an ad which follows the, the principles of like direct response marketing, which has been proven over hundreds of years of you know how to um, influence people to buy. If you apply those same principles of virality to your ad and to a really good sales process and a product that people want, then it just does insane things, like crazy, crazy things for engagement, for the amount of people in the top of your funnel, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. The list goes on. And how does how does that work? Like on a practical level, when you start working with obviously, I don't want you to give away all of your secrets, but uh-huh. when you start working with a client, say you've got a client who's you know a, a kind of average e-com client that has a, a fairly run-of-the-mill product. What's your kind of what's the first thing that you would look at to to sprinkle those elements into the campaign? So, so the, the first thing to always bear in mind is is that you're not selling the product, but you're selling the outcome or the the benefit that those um, that those users get, right? So, sorry, the users those customers yeah. get. So, you never actually sell a product. Is so the best analogy for this is people don't buy the drill; they buy the hole in their wall. <laughs> That's what they want, right? So, never yeah. sell the drill; sell yeah, the hole yeah, in the yeah. wall. Um, so, so essentially, yeah. first of all, is figuring something like that out, which is what most business owners haven't done because they're so focused on their products, and rightly so, and they, you know, they're doing a great job actually creating their product. But what they don't focus on is the real emotional mm. benefit, the outcome, etc., to to what it is they're doing for their customers. And then from that point, it's creating a big idea that you want to. So essentially, what do we need our audience to believe to be true in order for them to buy our product? So then you start to yes. craft. A, a, yeah, so like craft a message around that and like develop a framework using these principles of, of how um, how we can creatively um, implant that idea into the head. And that in, then involves like all the tactical things about how do we first get their attention? How do we stop them scrolling in their feed so that they actually take attention long enough for, it to, for us to build a relationship and demonstrate what we do? How do we engage them um, and make mm. sure they actually watch from the start to the end? Um, how do we uh, uh, portray to them in a very simple fashion exactly what it is we do what we offer and how it benefits them um and then using creative things like um like visual metaphors um creating parallels between things that they already know how stuff works like so the term which always came up and still comes up to this day is so for for cheese posties the grilled cheese business was the uber of grilled cheese sandwiches it's a it's a metaphor right it's a it's a it's creating a, a bridge between what people already know to what they don't because you know as um our brains are like naturally uh, defensive to new information, to new things, because we're bombarded with so much of every single day. So in terms of new stuff, getting in and like explaining a new concept to, to people, very, very difficult. Whereas if you tie it to something that they already know, then it's it kind of creates that doorway, that kind of bridge into, into, their, into their brain to, to get a bit more um, yeah. uh, sort of, yeah, understanding what you do. Uh, that's kind of the broad framework. I mean, it's, it's like, it's a very creative process. And I think, um, you know, a lot of it I'm finding more and more is to do with getting a really good idea, getting to grips with the business, and then going away and just spending time um, aimlessly walking around and thinking. <laughs> it's the best way to go. Yeah, and thinking and and taking that creative approach. I guess I'm just thinking how, you know, what the best way is to simplify it for someone who's listening to this and thinking. Oh, I want to, I guess, I guess there's elements, aren't there, that you can take if you're, you know, an Etsy seller or you're just starting out on e-com or you're doing like, you know, 50, 100K a month or, or more than that. I guess there's elements 
of it that you can take out at, at any level. Definitely. And that's, that's the kind of the exciting thing about this is that, you know, you don't need to be to have really good creative ideas like this. You don't need to be a six figure, seven figure, eight figure business with a massive creative team. In fact, no. you're probably much better off doing it yourself um, in terms of in terms of creating a bit more context and probably making it make a bit more sense uh, to listeners. Um, the, one of the most recent ads that I just did was um, for my own business, for Viral Body Design. Um, and uh, so pushing a product which helps people create good ads. It's, it's exactly like we're talking about. Um, and so, so I started thinking about, okay, so what are the kind of visual metaphors about what people are currently doing, wasting money with ads? So pouring, pouring money down the drain. So, and then, you know, this is a very kind of truncated version of the actual process. What is currently in the consciousness of a lot of people that they would potentially engage with and get the in-joke, et cetera. Um, and I just that day been to see the new um, It, the clown, the clown films, you know, Pennywise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. so Pennywise, who lives in the sewers, perfect. So <laughs> the perfect combination. So who who is the figurative Pennywise then? Mark, Mark Zuckerberg. So so created this um, character of, of uh, Zuckerwise. I have to show you this. Out. That's really funny. So Zuckerwise, who's in? The... I've seen it. It was hilarious. You've seen it, right? Yeah, okay, I saw yeah, it. yeah. So yeah, that's yeah, like yeah, the, yeah. the visual brilliant. metaphor of people pouring down, pouring money down the drain. Um, again, like the reason that people share and engage is because they, they get an in-joke and they want to feel smart or, or in the know. So they'll tag friends and they'll comment, yes. you know. So yeah. that's kind of like a very truncated version of that kind of creative process. And that's so true, isn't it? I think this is true. Oh, we, I think this is true of like, I know even real simple tactics of like growing your page and using using content that your audience are going to be really proud to know what it means or to kind of align with or or just to be in my head I always think well my audience say this is me and want to share it you know are they are they is it going to be something that they'll tag their friends in because I know we've talked about this before and it's we're so conscious of what the content we share says about us aren't we definitely yeah yeah absolutely and I think that that's why um you know, it's, it's more powerful to create ads which are niche down to very specific things and very in-jokes and very, because, yeah. you know, more and more the way people are using, especially Facebook, um, is in groups, is in communities and communicating with smaller groups of people who share the same yeah. um, weird character traits. And, you know what I mean? Um, like, I, so, yeah. you, you, yeah. know, you know, I used to run the Hot Sauce subscription before Cheese Posties as well. So we yeah. had we had a community there, like, like a Facebook group. Um, and this one time I made a... Um, uh, a suggestion that we make it open because you know I was trying to get people to see how fun this community was and how you know everyone inside was sharing pictures of the different hot sauces that they were, they were receiving and and all mm -hmm. recipes they were making. So I wanted to kind of expose this to a broader audience so they come in and potentially buy the product. And when I suggested this to the community first, um, a lot of them kicked back and said, "We don't want our other friends seeing how obsessive we are about hot sauce <laughs> and the weird kind of oh stuff." Oh my that we god, about, you know? really? So that just illustrates. I often find that. In yeah. I think that's a real barrier to growth in groups. This is completely different subject, but I do think that is a real barrier to growth. I know some of the groups that I'm in or that I run, when you suggest that people, oh, you know, if you're enjoying it, invite your friends, there's there's often quite a low uptake because exactly that. So I just mentioned to you, I've just started this keto diet and I'm in this keto group and the thought of anyone seeing, oh, my friends or family, like seeing some of the weird posts I'm putting in there or you know can I eat this can I eat that or like I don't know it's just it's just something quite personal that you wouldn't you wouldn't want to invite your friends into isn't it yeah it's a, it's a weird counterintuitive thing isn't it because as you say then that's like a barrier yeah, it is. 
But then at the same time, it's like, I mean, if you look at have you heard of this, the thing, um, the instant pot? Oh, Where, yeah, yeah. As in the, the cook, crock pot thing. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Have you seen the Facebook community? Oh, no, but I can imagine it's huge. There's blogs all about it, isn't there? I can imagine it's huge. It's it's insane. It's like it's a proper cult following. Like, it's absolutely nuts. And I think, yeah, you know, yeah. like, that kind of dynamic is like another interesting one to access because, um, you know, people are far more likely to to share something about a specific person. It's like, um, I get, whenever I come to this point, I can't think of a good example, so I always go with stamp collecting. <laughs> so forgive me. But um, so if you know somebody <laughs> who collects stamps um, and... Uh, and you see an article on like some revolutionary stamp collecting technique, bear with me, then you're far more likely to share that article with that one person than you would be to share a generic article yeah. on, you know, something like football or something with everybody on your feed, you know? So because, you know, yeah. and this is another really interesting dynamic of virality is the reason that people share stuff a lot of the time is to build their relationship with people, to let them know that they're thinking about people. Like me and my girlfriend have this on, ongoing joke yeah. that our relationship is built like 75% on memes because we constantly send each other memes. Like, <laughs> and it's true, like people build relationships by sending them, sending them each other goofy. Totally. Well, I know, I know it's a, yeah. There's a great, um, I was reading about some LinkedIn outreach techniques a while ago. And whenever you read anything like that, one of the top tips is, you know, start off, if you start off, starting off to build a relationship with someone, send them something that would be valuable like that, like some industry uh, insider news or an article that you think they'll appreciate or something. So, yeah, what you're saying is absolutely true on so many levels, isn't it? Either to, it builds that reciprocity as well, I think, doesn't it? If you're sending them something that, you know, for them to say, okay, you totally get me they're far more likely to either do business or build that relationship with you, I think. Definitely, yeah, 100%. And then you as the content creator as well, like if you bring a background to ads or content um, that you create, then um, you, you become beneficial to the person who shared because you're helping them build a relationship with their friend. Um, you also get the to the person who's being shared too, you get the added social proof that this person is vouching for you. Um, it's it's just yeah. like a win-win situation, you know? So, yeah, that kind of content creation, that, yeah, that kind of consideration when it comes to, to pumping out any kind of content, I think is, is just so powerful. I agree. And even if it's not about selling the product, even if it's just building your page, like it's such a quick way to build that audience, isn't it, to get that, to get that viral content out there? Definitely, yeah, yeah. Fab, so I know you've got eight, ma- eight main points of virality. Do we have time to, to scoot through those? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Do you want to just dive in and kind of run through? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, do you want to go? I think it'd just be really interesting to hear those those eight points. Yeah, go for it. Yeah, for sure. So we've already kind of touched on a few of them already, but just to kind of run through them quickly. So, well, the first one is stories and narratives. Um, so, so the, the the reason for that is that so stories are how we've we've been conditioned to learn ever since we're we're little children. So, um, since yeah. you're being read a bedtime story by by your parents or uh, even movies childhood shows etc like we're brought up to understand the world around us using stories it makes complete sense it gives context to things and therefore it's a perfect way to actually put your information across um so using stories and narratives and this could be anything from a visual story of um your product arriving in the post especially um with ecom uh, which you know is where you and i both cut our teeth and i think you work with a lot of ecom yeah. people now as well, right? yeah so with ecom yeah, yeah, this, yeah. this used yeah. this used to throw me off so much like like how do you tell a story about an ecom product um, and I just couldn't get my head around it for a long time. But the the simplest um, the simplest way of thinking about this is 
Um, you're telling a visual story of what the customer experience is. So your product's arriving at the post, it being unpacked, um, them using the product so they get context of what it does. Um, and ideally the yeah. product's in a kind of remarkable place or doing a remarkable thing, et cetera. Uh, and then the money shot of, you know, of, of the product itself. So telling that kind of visual story, we started running these, these ads with, with posties and we took, so we, um, uh, to go off piste again. So we, we, as you know, we had, <laughs> ma- we, we had a massive, um, issue where, uh, living out in Spain, like living the, the full on laptop lifestyle and then suddenly our supply got liquidated. So we had to move back to the UK and like it was a complete nightmare. Um, and basically our revenue dropped mm. to like, um, to the equivalent of $3,000. Um, that I always talk in dollars now, um, excuse me, but around, around about two, <laughs> 2000 pounds, $3,000, around about that, that kind of mark. Um, and then we started, so we created ads like this, following the same format that BuzzFeed do, of like a, the, the visual creation of like yeah. products of, of recipes. Um, and we, we went from 3000 to to $32,000 inside 12 weeks, um, monthly revenue. Wow. So we, we, we netted over wow. $52,000 in like 12 weeks. Um, from like almost bankrupt. That's incredible. Yeah. So that's like. So would would um like your pro would your process videos come into that as well in terms of the stories like showing how I'm thinking for some of the makers and the the smaller businesses your process videos of you I don't know making the jewelry or um laser cutting the the table signs or you know whatever your product is. So good feeling for that is that, you know, that'd be good for building a relationship and people understanding the quality of the products and the love that's got into it. The, but the, the main purpose of the, of the story and narrative kind of framework is to help people imagine them having your products in their life. How they already. would use it. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Because okay. as, soon as, they, as soon as they can imagine themselves using something or benefiting from your service, this is why um, kind of dramatized customer testimonials are really good as well. You know, like customer stories, because people start to align themselves yeah. with, with that story. And like, and then they yeah. start to imagine if you, if you can get, if you can have your prospective customers imagine using your products in their life, you basically already made the sale. You just need to use some smart sort of sales yeah. and processes to yeah. actually knock them over the line. Yeah. So this is like, this is like your top of funnel stuff, isn't it? Really, this. In fact, that's. It's really interesting what you say there. I was at a conference in Fiji earlier this year, and Ron Lynch was talking there, who was responsible for the early GoPro campaign. So I think they went from like six hundred k a year to I don't know sixty million a year or or more. It was huge, huge. He he built it up, and he built it up by giving away a GoPro every. I'm going to get this wrong now. Was it every day or every week? It was like really, really regular. And and people thought they were mad for giving away this much stuff. But he was saying the psychology is as soon as you've exactly what you're saying. So as soon as you've entered a competition and imagine having this product in your life, mm. you've basically bought it. Even if you don't, as soon as you know, you haven't won it, you've, you've basically bought it. Um, so I think that's a really, I think people get that a bit twisted, don't they? And think, oh, people just want it for free. But I think that's a really interesting um, psychology you're talking about there. Yeah, that's a really interesting story about the GoPros as well. I, d- I didn't, I didn't know that. That's um, mm. super cool. And I think GoPros, yeah. which are, Ron Lynch, is an absolute genius. Yeah, right. I have to look him up. Uh, so I, I think a GoPro is such a perfect product for that kind of thing as well, because it's such a subjective thing as well, right? Because people wear them on their head, and then that I mean, it's perfect. Yeah. It's like you experiencing people's like most um, incredible life experiences as if it were you. It's um, yeah. It's exactly. Perfect. Yeah. 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 Okay. So we've got stories. Yeah. So the next That's is simplicity. Next so, so simplicity is, is a huge thing on social media. If you, th- if you think about people's stream of consciousness, 
um, when they're scrolling through social media, mm. you've got to you've got to have a simple enough message that they'll comprehend it in their kind of dialed back, um, almost ape-like state, you know. And um, that's not yeah. to, to kind of um, uh, to take the take the mic out <laughs> of any specific one person. Like we're all the same. Like I, I'm sure everyone's found them exactly, like yeah. seven or eight miles into their into their Facebook feed, <laughs> not not remembering having got there. You know. Um, <laughs> So, so simplicity, like creating simplicity in your marketing is, is, um, is something which is really simple, but really often overlooked. Um, and the best mm-hmm. way to do it is to, because, you know, as business owners, and we're, again, we're all guilty of it. Um, we've spent so much time in so, so much depth with our products and put so much love into it and stuff like posties. It was a massive peach dish. There was so many little moving parts and elements as to why that worked and, and the kind of the collectability yeah. and shareability. And you want to talk about all of it, right? And you think if people hear all of these different things, they'll just be completely blown away and, and there's no way they can't buy from me. But the reality is that people can only hold a certain amount of information in their head, especially when they're in that state of scrolling through social media. So you need to be able to strip your idea mm. back to like that one, uh, what's referred to uh, quite often as the big marketing idea. Uh, so the one big thing yeah. you want to implant in your head, again, we spoke about it earlier, what do you need your customer to believe to be true in order for them to buy this product and it's usually something quite quite simple it's usually something along the lines of this product will sell will solve this pain for me um and then all, all of the other mm. stuff all, the, all, all of the the things that you're so proud of as a business owner and again right so will just become the kind of coloring of of your your marketing and of your brand and the the happy benefits of what people get when they buy your product i think the really difficult thing there and i remember having this conversation with you when you were trying to sell cheese toasties in a box and i was trying to sell cakes in a box <laughs> or like baking kits is what problem does my business set solve and i speak to like there's so many i'm thinking about my like coaching group and stuff most people in there they've product businesses they're kind of you know they're not and i know i know that people would say well it's solving you know someone's hunger or their need to and i know there's deeper than that so for the baking kits it was like it's giving you family time or it's giving you quality time with the kids and that kind of thing but it's quite hard to drill down into those those big ideas isn't it when it's it's kind of there's no obvious need for your product definitely yeah it gets really difficult and this is something which i like hammered this this question on internet forums and all over the web for like and we've spoken about it obviously as you say like many times just trying to get answers well if it's if it's a product that just creates pleasure rather than solves a problem what the hell like do i say you know um and I, th- I think yeah. it, th- there's various different angles you can attack it from and it's worth brainstorming out and getting at least 20 or 30 different ideas down and then testing the ones that feel right. But, you know, a lot of the time it's about figuring out what the the end um, benefit is for the user. So um, for example, if I was to think back to posties again, if I started marketing that now, then it would be solving the problem of boring lunches, boring food combinations. Um, yeah. That would be yeah. the, the kind of problem that it solves. So that's something that you can speak to. Um, and regards to like, I think we touched on jewelry earlier on as well. Um, mm. The way to approach that, I know Frank was only saying um, the other day in a podcast episode about like specifically about jewelry. The best way to approach that is that, you know, you're not selling the jewelry, you're selling the happy wife or the happy husband, you know? So that's the, that, that's yeah, the, yeah. it's not quite a problem, but it's like, it's again, what you sell is, is the outcome rather than the product itself. So um, being able to solve that problem of, we can go as far as to say solve the problem of relationship problems with jewelry, but <laughs> you get what I'm, you get what I'm yeah. going. Yeah, yeah, but it's solving. It could be solving that. I mean, you know, there's there's all sorts of reasons, isn't there, why you would want to want to make your husband or wife happy? But it might be that you feel guilty for working late every night and want to, you know. So there's all all kinds of things 
things that we can speak to in that simplicity and that big idea. Yeah, totally agree. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, number three. Yeah, so the, the next one kind of ties in quite closely as well. So this is social currency. So there's a there's an inherent question that people ask themselves before they share anything, before they comment, before they tag somebody in, and that is, yeah, does sharing this make me look good? And you can swap out the yeah. word "good" for smart, funny, in the know. Does does sharing this make me look? And it's it's a it's a status thing. Like you know, as as human beings, anything we do, um, or most things that we do, is to either. Um, it's generally to increase our status in, in our own eyes, in the eyes of others, et cetera. Mm. When we buy things a lot of the time, um, buying jewelry, cars, watches, shoes, clothes, um, uh, anything, you know, is, is, is a lot to do with status. And it's the same with sharing stuff as well. Like, totally, um, yeah. So again, we were talking yeah. earlier on about like how we build relationships by sharing things. So um, this sharing this mm. helped me build a relationship with my sister, my mother, et cetera. Um, so social mm. currency is, 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 is a huge thing in, in shareability. Yeah. Yeah, brilliant. I totally get that. I think we're all, there's that saying, isn't there, about most of us will spend the majority of money impressing people we've never met with things we don't need that, you know, I, I can't remember the rest of it, but, you know, it's that yeah. thought that when we're buying stuff, like I've just bought a car and I'm sure somewhere in the, the thought process there, more than I'd like to admit is, you know, how does this make me look? Is it something that I want to be? Yeah, totally. So I really, really get that. Number four. So remarkability. So again, this ties into capturing people's attention. Like, why will people actually? What's the, what reason are you giving people to to um, to engage with your content? Um, and increasingly, with the amount of just general crap on the internet and in people's feeds, you really need to be remarkable to to stand out. So um, there's a whole yeah. book you can read on this by Seth Godin called Purple Cow, uh, which is one mm. of the first books that I read yeah. around about that time that I started posties. Maybe that's one of the reasons that I started posties. <laughs> Because it's all about like, you know, if you just to kind of summarize very quickly the whole concept of a purple cow, if you're driving past a field of cows, you're never going to remark upon any of those cows because you've driven past tens of thousands of cows in your life. Whereas if one of those cows is purple, then you'll stop, you'll take notice and you say, well, look, there's a purple cow. That's yeah. the kind of the, the broad yeah. kind of idea of the book. But but in terms of creating remark- and take, take a picture and tell your friends and yeah. And tag them on Instagram and yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah. So that whole kind of concept of remarkability is really important. And like, just to give some kind of insight into how to achieve that. Well, um, a lot of the time, the most remarkable thing about your business is the thing that got you interested in it in the first place. So, um, mm. you know, th- there was a reason that you, you were interested in something enough to actually start a business out of it and, and do something quite, um, sort of difficult within that niche or niche. Um, so thinking back to what was, what you found remarkable enough about your products or business or industry in the first place, is probably a really good place to start. That's kind of like the, the, the kind of belly of it. Then in terms of remarkability on the, on the front end, uh, then there's stuff like pattern interrupt. So again, stopping people in their feet. Um, what is the, the compelling thing that's actually in this split three to five seconds that you've got either to stop people scrolling or before they're allowed to skip, press yeah. skip on a YouTube, uh, ad, how are you going to tease? what you've got, how are you going to give them these? So for example, with posties, we'd always do a short teaser of the money shot, the actual melted cheese at the end. And that works ridiculously well. It's the same, it's the same with anything. The easiest way to yeah. do it is, to, is to, to go to your the video that you're making, take the most compelling part and just cut two to three seconds of that and put it at the start of the video. Really messy, but it works fantastically well. It yeah. just hooks people in and gives them a reason to keep watching. Yeah. Yeah, nothing pulls people in like a cheese pull, does it? Like that, that's like the most <laughs> enticing thing in the whole world, just seeing that cheese pull apart. 
Cheese is like the holy grail. <laughs> okay. Devices are. <laughs> Isn't it? So we've got story, simplicity, social currency, remarkability. What do we need next? So the next is emotion. And this is emotion is something where people kind of, it's well, and quite understandably can get really held up and kind of confused. But um, essentially with emotion, what you're trying to do is, is um, elevate people's kind of physiological arousal to a point that they're, they're in a different state. So people like Tony Robbins talk about, yeah. you know, you want to change your life, change your state. If you put people into a different state, mm. take them from being sedate, scrolling through Facebook on their feed, just, you know, seven miles through um, and change, change them into something um, into a different state of anger, anxiety, excitement, humor, or then they're naturally yeah. going to be more responsive. They're naturally going to do, be more likely to, to go to your checkout page to perform the actions that you're trying to get them to do. So in terms of like yeah. an extreme physical example of physiological arousal, it's like when you get off a treadmill and, um, and you start talking to people maybe in the, or so for example, I did CrossFit for a while, a while back, you should probably start doing it again. But um, mm. like by, the, by the start of the <laughs> class, when you got in, nobody would talk to each other at all. Not everyone, everyone just keep their eyes to themselves. Yeah. It was five or six o'clock in the morning. But then by the end of the class, when everyone's like pumped up oh. and you're doing this ridiculous workout, everyone's talking, they're sharing stories, they're talking about their lives, what they're going to be doing yeah. that day. Because people are far more likely when they're in a different state to do things that they wouldn't ordinarily do. So if you can master emotion in terms of changing people's physiological state, then that's the next step to getting people to share, getting people to apply, getting people to yeah. complete. And that's why we have like all this clickbait we have now of like kittens and babies and stuff, don't we? Because that, I mean, that sort of love cuteness state is is the thing that's going to get people to share. But equally, why we have the the fake news phenomenon of, you know, these stories that are so shocking that people will share them and get so angry. And then, you know, and it's cre- that, alone that kind of phenomenon alone has created um clickbait culture hasn't it yeah and, and those kind of emotions are actually far more effective like the cutesy ones yeah it would be great for getting shares just because like people like sharing that kind of stuff but in terms of driving people to action then generally um emotions like anger anxiety and awe are, are actually yeah. pretty powerful um or being the most um yeah. the most powerful one in terms of self-transcendence that's why you know that that channel um goldcast yeah. You know those guys. Yeah. So that's why they do so well because they yeah, yeah. are all about self transcendence and and how you know people can become better and deep down, uh, people wherever they are, you know, sat in their office chair, not satisfied with their lives, they want to be, they want to transcend themselves, they want to be better. Generally, you know, that might be pushed down by mm-hmm. um, uh, the general sort of state of society, but at the end of the day, people love doing that kind of thing, and it helps them represent who they want to be, who they are inside. Um, and in terms of anger as well, yeah. even um, uh, anger is a really great way to 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 drive people to action and it, it could be that you use anger in your advertising as much as it might be quite a frightening thing to do you want don't necessarily want people to associate anger with your product but at the same time if you can generate enough anger around the problem that you're solving for them then that's a fantastic way to drive them to action mm. love it brilliant yeah i'd much rather use all than anger or anxiety i don't like the idea of giving people those <laughs> but i get i get how effective it is yeah, right, yeah. um okay uh, emotion yeah what's next then, so observability is is the next on the on the eight trigger points. Um, relatively simple in terms of the um, in terms of getting out there onto the web. So a lot of the time, again, it's what I focus on right now is is magnetic ads, so kind of viral ads, um, and they go specifically out through paid media on Facebook and Instagram, just because it's such a goldmine. Yeah. It's such an easy way once you've got the right message. Yeah. 
um, to create sales and it's such yeah. a consistent and scalable thing. So observability in that sense is is launching in an effective way and using the right strategies with Facebook and YouTube and Instagram to get the most visibility in front of the right people. Um, in, in other senses, in terms of organic virality as well, which is really, really important to understand if you're going to have success with any of this, um, is, is the right platforms, where people are, where your community is, where those smaller niche communities that are more likely to share with their um, they're, they're mm. kind of very niche interest friends where they are. You know, it could be Reddit, it could be LinkedIn, it could be it could be off social media groups, you know, like private forums, et cetera. Yeah. Like all of these things, you know, you shouldn't yeah. necessarily go for just one in favor of the others because it's really what you're looking for is that power of the people that are passionate enough to, to give a damn uh, about your industry, about your niche to, to share your stuff. Yeah, they're definitely on Reddit. <laughs> yeah. Okay, observability. So so to be seen. Yeah, perfect. So we've got story, simplicity, social currency, remarkability, emotion, observability, and we've got yeah. two left. And so and these are in no particular order, by the way. They're all kind of just recipe yeah. ingredients that you can sprinkle in. But practical value is the, is the next on the list. So this goes back to what we were saying about providing people, like helping people. Um, in a way that they would potentially share your post to help their friends as well. Um, so this is, sorry, mm. to give it a very direct example, BuzzFeed Nifty, that channel, which is all about like handy ideas yeah. around the house of how to just do useful stuff. And, you know, it's kind of remarkable because it's stuff yeah. that you wouldn't think about otherwise, but it's also handy. It's nifty, the clues in the name, right? So that's the kind of perfect example, like extreme example of practical value. But for your industry, it could be helping people with something which is directly related to your product or service. It could be giving them some information which mm. not only demonstrates your authority and your ability to help them, but also helps them in a way which is building a positive relationship rather than, hey, here's my stuff. Here's our um, uh, lead page. Come and buy from us. Come and get on a call. You start to build that yeah. relationship with, with practical value. It's very powerful. Yeah, I think so many people um, veer away from that as well, don't they? Because they think not that we're saying give away your secrets, but I think people think if I tell people how to do an element of of my product, then they're going to make it themselves. But they're really not. <laughs> people just yeah. don't have time, do they? It's it's a really great way of building that, as you say, authority and also the affinity because you're giving them something that that is is well of practical value. Yeah. And I, th I think that that mentality circles back around to what we were saying earlier on about the negative comments as well. Like if you if you go into understanding that that there will be some negativity or in this respect there will be some people that take your secrets yeah. themselves, but the greater good is that significantly more people will will see your zone of genius, the fact that you are extremely good at what you do, at what your product offers. Like that, and they're the people that are more likely to pay because they see you as an authority and they don't really have Definitely. time then, you know, if you're happy to offset that risk, then the benefits greatly outweigh the detriments. Yeah, totally agree. Definitely a mindset thing with that. Okay, and finally, I feel like we need a drum roll. Finally. <laughs> right, yeah, sorry. I can't do a drum roll. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so intrigue is, is the final one. Um, so an intrigue kind of fits all the way along the spectrum as well. So in terms of a, to pull it back to a purely marketing, direct response marketing perspective, at any one point of the sales process, you only want to be taking people along to the next step. So, the, so for example, the the yeah. thumbnail image or the first three to five seconds stop people scrolling. Um, the video itself drives people to potentially read the copy. Um, the copy drives people to click the button through to your sales page. Um, the yeah. uh, sales page drives people to click on the on the order form, etc. You know, so it's like you're not trying to jump into bed on the first date. You're not selling the fifty thousand dollar products yeah. on the first click, right? Um, and that's so intrigued yeah. is, is how you you kind of edge people along. 
And in terms of a purely organic getting views on a video uh, perspective, then this would be, again, like front-loading um, your video with the, with the most compelling three to five seconds like we discussed when we were talking about um, uh, simplicity and remarkability. So um, creating yeah. a reason, a, a compelling enough reason for people to take the next action, which might be watching through to the end of the video. Um, and it's all to do with like creating intrigue and not answering questions. So I'm sure you've, like everyone listening to this has experienced um, sharing an article be- without ever even actually clicking through and reading it because the headline basically yeah. tells the full story in the article, right? Um, you could click through and read and it could be anything yeah. on the other side, right? But um, so if you yeah. give away that, if you give away the whole thing, like this product does X for Y, if you give away the whole thing in the, in the, in the headline, people will, well, it'll dramatically reduce the amount of people that, that click through and take the next action. Yeah. So, so opening loops and creating an intrigue, but not telling the whole story is the next way to create engagement, to create uh, follow through, to get people into your funnel and to just edge people along all the way, all the way along the process. I love it. I love it. So I think, I think eight points makes it sound really complex, but actually the way that you explain it, a lot of us are doing this stuff anyway. Maybe it's just a case of maximizing certain certain things that we're doing or realizing that maybe like taking intrigue for as an example maybe we realize looking at our ads we're just answering a bit too much on the on the ad so people aren't even clicking through that's brilliant thank you Dave that's so helpful we've gone way over time as we always do um but I know after this people are going to want to hear more from you so where where's the best place for them to find you yeah, definitely. So um, the best place is on Facebook. So uh, if you search for Viral by Design on Facebook, then um, yeah, you'll find a, a flurry of interesting content that you can follow. Fab. And I will also link to that in the show notes. Thank you so much, Dave. I feel like, yeah, I feel like this is a massive, massive subject that's a tall ask to cover in a 40 minute podcast. But um, I think we've made a pretty good stab at it, don't you? Definitely, yeah. It's been fun. It always is. Yeah, it's been loads of fun. Thank you so much. I'll let you go. I know you've got a busy day. And uh, yeah, thank you. So for everyone listening, I'm going to link to Dave's um, Viral by Design page in the show notes. Go over and look over there, join the group and ask Dave all your viral questions. All right. Thanks so much, Dave. Thanks for joining us. I'll speak to you soon. Thanks, Amanda. Thanks for having me. Thanks so much for joining us, Dave. That was absolutely brilliant. I love hearing about all the crazy things that Dave has going on inside his head and viral marketing is just one of his many skills. So please do go over to Viral by Design and check out all of his marketing offers. I'm going to put a link to his page in the show notes. So please do go and check him out. Thank you as always for joining me this week. I hope you got something out of that chat. I hope you can um, take something that we talked about and really put that into practice for your business. I think whether you are a really small business who hasn't got a huge budget or you're a business with a marketing budget where you're looking to increase traffic to your site, there's something in there for everyone. So please do go and check out more about Dave. If you enjoyed the podcast, please do leave a review. It makes a huge difference to how many people can find us. And it's always really, really lovely to read. Thank you so much for joining me. And I hope you can join me again next week. Oh,